are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten again here with our Thursday co-host Isaiah Hull over at Locked On Wolverines and of course covering Michigan throughout the week on all sorts of platforms at his own Twitter at Isaiah Hull. Isaiah, we thank you for joining us here to look a little bit into the week of games here in the Big Ten. I don't really know if we'll have time to get through every game. We've gone through the blobs I think last week with you, but this Mm -hmm. week there's a whole lot more interesting matchups to talk about. So We'll get into each of the big ones. Then if we have time, of course, get into those back end ones like the one that Michigan has too. But let's start here with the Friday night matchup we'll have tomorrow in the Big Ten. Maryland facing off against Illinois. What are your takes with these two teams who like kind of still have a whole lot to prove, identify themselves as? It's a couple of squads who are kind of not really going to be at the top of the Big Ten, but fighting to be at the top of the bottom of the big 10 maybe maryland maybe has higher aspirations so i'll stop talking let you go i i yeah i would have told you to stop talking a few minutes ago because you're starting to make maryland (laughs) sound like an also ran i think maryland's got a real good shot to do something conference right now and uh, maryland's had athletes and they've continued to accumulate athletes and we're starting to really see that with the the talia talgavailoa dante demas connection uh, still not like crazy about uh, about their running backs uh, right now. Fleet Davis is okay, but uh, but I mean they've got athletes with their whether it's like I, the two I mentioned, Raheem Jarrett. Uh, the defensive side of the ball is full of them. Uh, I, I think that uh, 
I think that that's a team on the rise for sure, but I think we'll see what happens more down the road. I don't think this game's going to say anything because we know a little bit about Illinois at this point. We've seen them obviously an extra game more than anyone The the Nebraska win feels pretty fluky at this point. Uh, I mean, it was pretty fluky. Nebraska essentially outplayed them for the majority of the game and just couldn't get out of their own way. And uh, real in Illinois took advantage, but you're probably not in a good space if you lose to Virginia the way they did last last week. So I think that uh, this is going to be a game where I think Maryland's going to jump all over them. These are the types of games that Maryland tends to win big. You know, get get up into the 40s, 50s, maybe even 60s. And Illinois' defense being one of the worst in the country, it's it's not going to be able to handle this high-powered offense. Yeah, I, I don't see any way the Illini are able to slow down Talia Tungabailoa. If Illinois has a chance, I think it's going to be by trying to win the game through a shootout. And I don't know if Illinois has the men to be able to do that either. I'd say I'd at least think it'll be an easy Maryland win as well. We talked about Nebraska. Nebraska has quite the test on Saturday, too, facing off against Oklahoma on the road. It's a game that's like tough for a team that's kind of trying to figure itself out a little bit still. It's like a no-lose situation, really, for the Cornhuskers as far as like how their image is coming out of this matchup. But like, I don't know. It's something where like if Nebraska had beaten Illinois and they were undefeated going to this game, maybe they're a little bit more hyped. But it seems like this is just a team that's still trying to figure itself out that's going to have to get kind of rolled over by one of the best teams in college football well you say you said that the uh this is a no lose situation i disagree i think this is a double lose situation for nebraska because i think they'll lose on the field on saturday and i think that there's a chance that they get rolled and that's not good for nebraska right like if they go out and get rolled by oklahoma which i understand that's probably what everyone expects at the same time that just shows you how far away and scott uh, scott frost what third year uh, I, I've lost track of how many years, fourth year. I, I don't even remember at this point. At this juncture, this team should be a much further ahead. We've seen a pulse the last couple of weeks. However, who were the opponents? Now, I did think that right. I, was, I was impressed by the win over Buffalo. I have to give them that because I thought that they were going to lose that game. I thought Buffalo being maybe the best MAC team was going to go in and flex a little muscle, and it didn't work out that way. Uh, so it does look like Nebraska has a pulse, but you're going up against a team that many thought going into the season, maybe before they had that close 40 to 35 win over Tulane, uh, that this was probably a national championship contending team. I, I, I don't think that the only way that it's a, it's a no lose situation for Nebraska in this case is if it loses a close one, because if it loses a close one, it can sit there and say, look at how close we are to Oklahoma. That's it. But you lose any other way. You lose the way that uh, that I think they're going to lose. Right. It's probably going to end up really signaling the beginning of the end for Scott Frost if they can figure out his buyout situation. Yeah, I guess that's more what I meant. Just kind of the expectation is that Nebraska is going to get blown out there. There's obviously plenty to lose as far as what Scott Frost has going for him just what that program is right now. And of course, what it's trying to get back to. And that is, uh, I just looked it up real quick. We're on year number four of mm. Scott Frost, a maximum of sure of Nebraska fans are aware five wins in those four seasons with the Cornhuskers. 
Speaking of a team that's still trying to figure itself out, and Minnesota is definitely still trying to figure out everything that it has without Mo Ibrahim on that team. After losing to Ohio State by two touchdowns in a game that you could argue was kind of like if North or if Nebraska keeps it close against Oklahoma, Minnesota kept it pretty close against Ohio State. Then they come out and almost blow a game against Miami of Ohio last week. They're not underdogs against Colorado. It feels like to me, at least, this is kind of a nice little litmus test game to see where the Gophers at with all the crazy stuff that's going on with this team to start the year. Yeah, this this one when when you look at the the betting lines, it's a uh, it, it it's two and a half favoring Colorado. Last I saw, which being that it's a home game for Colorado, it's just really a pick 'em type situation. Right. And I mean, you, you can't help but be impressed with the fact that Colorado almost took down Texas A and M. But you think about Texas A and M, and it's like how much of that is just media darling hype, right? Because there there's always those schools that just get that that insatiable love from the national media every single year and it's like like usc right like usc is in texas those are those are two teams that every every single year you know year i mean i know michigan does as well but not i was gonna say there's a team that's number 25 in the nation this week that i might mention but but they weren't preseason you know they weren't (laughs) you know darlings whereas like usc (laughs) in texas is like let's throw them right in the middle of the uh let's throw them right in the middle of the rankings i mean they're they're probably a top 12 team type thing and then they they do the same thing they do every year. Texas A&M, I feel like maybe it was in that same category because they were getting a lot of love for playing Alabama tough last year. And I think that that's okay, whatever. But uh, so I, I don't know though, like going in, like how much was Minnesota's close call against Miami of Ohio? If Was that letting Ohio State almost beat them twice?
Welcome back here to Locked On Big Ten. Previewing every game here in the conference, or at least every game that looks like it'll be a little bit entertaining here in the Big Ten, I should say. There's a couple of guys that'll still think be snoozers, but again, who knows what'll happen. But we're here with Isaiah Hole, our Thursday co-host and the host of Locked On Wolverines here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Isaiah, we've gone over the first half of slate of big games here in the Big Ten. Let's get into the back end, which may even be more exciting, starting with what's going down in Miami here on Saturday. It'll be Miami facing off against Michigan State, a team that's looking to prove that it's for real, for real. I think that this win would do that. Do you think that the Spartans have a chance to be able to pull off this upset? I, I do. I think I, I actually picked Michigan State to win this game, which pains me because my my adopted team is the Miami Hurricanes. But uh, I don't know that it will necessarily show the Spartans are for real, for real. But what it will do is show that what we've seen so far isn't just playing a bad Northwestern team and then playing an FCS school. At least tell us that you can expect Michigan State to to be pretty good throughout the year how good I mean we won't know beyond that uh, but Miami is really difficult to to gauge on right now because it it really had a tough game against Alabama and you sit there and you say it's Alabama but if you listen to Nick Saban right now considering that uh, I mean everyone thought that that was going to be at least a little bit more of a game I think I should add in there but if you listen to Nick Saban right now he he thinks this is his worst Alabama team in some time and that might just be talk but uh but so you had that and then they Miami goes and plays App State and it kind of looked like they should have lost that game and so I'm not really sure what Miami team they're getting uh right now and I think that right now you have a Miami team despite the fact that De'Eric King is uh leading that team as the the team's quarterback again and you uh and, you know, he was a guy that we thought could be a Heisman contender this year. He was one of the first guys that signed an NIL deal, like a big one. And yet they just haven't really done anything that makes you think that they're going to do anything. So I, I look at this Miami team and I think that's a, lot, that's, a, that's a group that's lost some confidence. Whereas Michigan State, I think no matter who they played, the fact that they're coming away with two wins, they've got a little bit of a swagger that uh, haven't seen in East Lansing for some time, honestly. So kind of like Michigan State to go up down there, win a tough one. I think it's uh, the offense has been a huge surprise and uh, the defense hasn't been the Michigan State defense of old, but certainly I think it has enough to get it done down there. For me, it's just that I, I don't think the Spartans have done anything yet to show me that they can really compete with say like the Wisconsin's or Iowa's or on their own side, Ohio State's or even Michigan's or Indiana's, if those two teams are as good as we've talked about them being, as they think they are, Penn State. Uh, up until now, I, I wouldn't think that Michigan State could beat those teams now just in a straight up best on best game. But as far as like being able to knock off that team's play spoiler, I, I still am not convinced that even Michigan State can play that role. You knock off Miami here in Miami, a team that's, again, still ranked despite the big struggles against Alabama early. I think that proves at the very least puts the rest of the conference on alert that, hey, we're actually a good football team here. We're actually a team that can be one of those any given week, come out and beat you, ruin your season kind of teams. Again, not one of the teams that's tops in the Big Ten, but I think a team that can, if it 
shows out well against Miami here, at the very least say that it could go into your place and knock you off any given day. That That's, I think, what Michigan State's at least playing for here. If not to be at like that, whatever for real, for real means that we were talking about before. Mm. And I mean, we'll see what, uh, right now the Big Ten's wide open with what happened to Ohio State, right? Like Ohio State's got not just like a, a one game weakness. I mean, it's a glaring weakness that goes back to last year and it's gotten worse. So with that in mind, it's it's wide open right uh, at the moment. Do I think Ohio State will still win the conference? Yes, but yeah. with that in mind, I think like, you know, absolutely Penn State could get in there. Michigan State, it, you know, certainly could get in there if it uh, if it looks the way it did in week, the first two weeks. I'm not taking away a ton from the Youngstown State win because, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do, and that's really good because – I don't know that the last uh, couple of years of Michigan state teams would have done what they were supposed to do. So that's improvement in and of itself, but it's hard to really sit there and say, yes, this is a good team. I think that this particular game certainly will, it would, it would at least help me think of Michigan state is like, okay, you're going to be able to go and you're going to be able to beat all of the teams that you are perceived to be lesser uh, from a historical standpoint. And then games like, Michigan, Penn State, those would be suddenly be closer to toss-ups in my mind if they're able to win this game. Well, you mentioned the Big Ten's wide open right now after that loss by Ohio State, and the team in prime position to take advantage of that Buckeye loss is the Penn State and the Lions. But in the whiteout game this weekend, they've got their own ranked out-of-conference opponent to host. The Nittany Lions will face off against the Tigers of Auburn on Saturday. I have to ask just kind of big picture, go back to what we discussed just a minute ago, Isaiah. Where do you feel like Penn State's at in the kind of power scheme in the Big Ten? I'm with you. This is still Ohio State's conference to lose. And I mean, I guess that's just the math that's proving that. It wasn't a Big Ten loss that they had. But Penn State's got to be feeling at least a little bit better, a little bit better than they were at the start of previous seasons when they pretty much just had to wait for Ohio State to lose. At least Ohio State's lost already once. Well, when you say previous seasons, it's actually previous season that they've actually won, you know, got, got there, you know, like Mm -hmm. Penn state gets a lot of uh, it's, it's weird. Penn state gets a lot of credit for, for one year. Um, I mean, that I'm not discrediting what Penn state's done. You know, I think Penn state's a very good team, but uh, we look at Penn state as a perennial big 10 contender and really no, no one outside of Ohio state has shown that. I just want to be clear. Like Ohio state is, the it, especially in the Big Ten East, it's Ohio State. You know, it's Penn State's probably the next closest in it. Michigan had been and then kind of fell off for a second. So uh, I, I'm not really sure that they are much in a much different spot than they were before. I had them, I think, third in my power rankings uh, coming out of the the weekend behind Iowa and Ohio State. Uh, I, certainly you can make a case that they they would be ahead of Ohio State, but I need to see more from that supposedly talented running backs room, right? We have especially Ohio State's weakness being the, the run defense. Penn State is supposed to have a really good rushing offense. We haven't quite seen that do exactly what we were uh, anticipating with uh, with all of those talented backs, starting with Noah Kane and Devin Ford. And uh, I, I just want to see more from them, but uh, I think that this is a good moment 
for the Nittany Lions to really take that next step, obviously beating Wisconsin uh, in week one. I'm not sure how good Wisconsin is this year. Uh, obviously great defense, but uh, not sure that they have anything offensively. So that's uh, that makes me wonder how good is Penn State? Didn't really learn anything last week. We're about to learn a whole lot this week. Yeah, again, and it's really for those learning purposes only as far as just the big scheme in the Big Ten. If you're going to get to the Big Ten title game, you still got to beat Ohio State. If you want to make the college football playoff, we can talk as much as we want, and we have this week about what that Ohio State meant, loss meant for just all of the college football playoff picture. But as far as Big Ten teams go, you don't get to that playoff without the Big Ten title. You don't get to the Big Ten title without beating Ohio State. So it's still very much the Buckeyes' conference to lose right now, despite them being one of the earlier teams to take a loss in it. So, again, we'll see what happens there long-term. But Penn State has a big matchup against Auburn this weekend that they'll try to, again, prove to more people that they're good enough to be up there with everybody else, I guess. Uh, before we let you go, Isaiah, one more game I just wanted to touch on. Everything else is pretty much a big blowout as far as just spreads and who's playing what. More just kind of tune-up games. But Northwestern is over in North Carolina at Duke. And it's kind of a situation where I'm just looking at it thinking that Pat Fitzgerald has a chance here to at least get some sort of foothold on something. I mean, he got the win last week, but the Wildcats still are looking like a team that's trying to figure out what it is, which is just a little bit surprising to me still. We knew this team wasn't going to be as good as it was last year, but I mean, this was a team that won the Big Ten West last season. It shouldn't be looking this out of sorts. Well, it lost. I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, did I expect this them, bad? I didn't expect them to lose to Michigan State in week one, but that says right. that, but that Michigan State, I think, is better than anticipated. So I'm not surprised at all, especially starting, uh, starting Hunter Johnson, who's really shown nothing as of yet. And I thought that Ryan Holinsky transferring in, you know, usually guys and, you know, don't transfer to, to, sit on the bench. I mean, I know it does happen. Alan Bowman's doing it at Michigan right now, but um, I, I'm not terribly surprised. I th- thought the defense wasn't going to be very good, particularly. I mean, you, you lost, you lost so much. Like it went from being the most experienced team in the country to the least experienced team in one year. They are literally the least, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm not mistaken here, literally the least experienced team in the country. So that usually has a very strong learning curve. And so I'm not surprised at all. So this game against Duke kind of feels like a race to the bottom, right? Like who's going to be that team to step up and actually win this one? Because Duke, they couldn't even beat a team right there in their own state that you would expect them to win 99 times out of a hundred. They, they lost to Charlotte in week one. I don't know how good Charlotte is, but there is no scenario in which Duke should lose to Charlotte right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, that's like Indiana losing to Indiana state, you know, or Indiana losing to, uh, or like, I'll, I'll change the team, but like Purdue going and losing to Valparaiso you know, or something like that, you know, like you can't do it. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think that uh, this will be interesting. I think there's a real shot for Northwestern to at least stack another win. I thought it was going to be a six and six season. I think going in, I still thought there was enough there uh, with the quarterback. Again, I thought Holinsky was going to be the guy hasn't been the case, uh, but uh, 
I, I like Northwestern in this one, but that doesn't necessarily say a lot because Duke is awful. Yeah, I mean, that's all I was saying, really. I mean, this team that this team has what it takes to be able to pull together some wins. I mean, I, nobody was expecting it to be like good, good still. But I, I don't know when you have the games against like Michigan State or this one against Duke, like I, I I'm personally going to take the side of Pat Fitzgerald's coaching ability, his recruiting ability that he's shown over past seasons with Northwestern. It's just something where like I'm more confident in what he can do as a head coach over the other guy, or at least I thought it was. Maybe that's changing now, but I I guess that's what I'm surprised by is that Northwestern hasn't been at least as sound fundamentally as a team that is losing so much. But again, as you mentioned, it's something where – they do have to do something with that experience that I mean, people say all the time. You can't replace that experience. You can't teach that experience. Well, you to have say. to get out there. That's that there's nothing you can do about, about that. You just hope talent, talent mm-hmm. wins at that point, but uh, Northwestern is more of a develop, de- developmental program. It's not a talented program, right? Like it's not a program that's, that's going to go out and get your, you know, your, your four stars and your five stars. They might get like a four star here and there, but it's, it's more of a program that's going to develop you. So when you don't have experience, those guys aren't developed. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to tend to take a little bit of time. That's why you see a school like Northwestern have a couple good years, then kind of sometimes a, a stretch of not so good years, Northwestern, Iowa, those are the types of schools that you, you, you know, every like four or five years, they're going to be really, really good but then they're going to be really bad for, you know, they're gonna be good for two years and then they're gonna be bad for four and they're gonna be good for three years. And they're going to be bad for five. You know what I mean? Like it's all about those development cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, it's going to be a really fun weekend of football, no matter what we'll see what happens with the wildcats. We'll see what happens with all the bigger games that are going on throughout the weekend. Isaiah hole with us every single Thursday before we let you go, Isaiah, Michigan has another game that should be a pushover this weekend, but Again, the Wolverines are number 25 in the nation. Again, we talked and touched on it a little bit before, but where do you think Michigan's at right now as a team? Is it deserving of that ranking? Has it played to earn that position? Or is this uh, more just kind of, I don't know if you call it home cooking, but like, I I guess, national program prestige cooking? It's Michigan. Is it because it's Michigan or is it because this team's actually played good enough? Team's played good enough, right? I mean, it's, you look at the, the Western Michigan game, the, the spread was 14. They beat them by what? Let's see, 47 to. I, I can't do the, the math. Yeah, it was a blowout. That's it. That's what matters. The this last game was. Uh, it started off uh, two weeks before the game. It was a, a one point spread. Then it turned to a six and a half point spread. And then Michigan uh, ended up beating uh, Washington by 21. Right? Like that's. I understand Washington lost to an FCS team. It, it, that happens, right? Michigan lost to an FCS team in 2007. It still beat Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer. You know, like it's, you know, the, the, you can't do transitive property with these things. Michigan's done its job, right? It's beaten down, particularly in the trenches, both of the teams that it's faced. So that, I think, the, the scoring disparity, the, uh, what we've seen from the run game, uh, the defense has looked vastly improved. Uh, honestly, I think it should be a little bit higher than 25, but I understand with what happened last year, people aren't going to have that type of faith, even though people have that type of faith with uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, Michigan's done his job, and I think that's the best you can ask. Playing NIU, you expect it to continue doing his job. NIU has a terrible run defense, so considering Michigan's run for 300-plus yards the last two weeks, 
imagine the same thing's going to happen again this week. Well, we'll see what ends up coming out of that game against the Huskies. And again, Michigan has, well, we'll talk about and have talked about throughout the entire week with Ohio State losing who deserves to be where and what Michigan has been one of the teams that's proved it on the field so far. So number 25 right now has a couple spots. I'm sure it can move up with a big win over NIU this weekend. Isaiah, thanks for joining us here on a Thursday. Talk about all the matchups in the Big Ten, or at least the biggest ones going into the weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully get into a little bit more on the Wolverines as they'll, again, try to get another win and be a little bit higher in the rankings when we talk next. Thanks again for coming on. Before we let you go, remind people of where they can get all the stuff you're doing. Wolverineswire.usatoday.com, at Isaiah Hole on any platform of your choosing. I'm at Nate with sports on Twitter. The show is at locked on big 10. That's one zero, not T E N. And of course at locked on big 10 and at locked on Wolverines, wherever you're listening into your podcast, subscribe rate review, five stars, all that stuff. We'll talk to you again tomorrow until then. Nate Dickinson here with locked on.